apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage, an equal housing lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach in college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the race, and the race do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I am Steve Risser along with Justin D'Onofrio. And the Super Bowl is set, and we got a rematch from four years ago between the Chiefs and the Niners. But we'll talk more about that game next week. We'll be talking all about that game next week when we do our do when we do this show. But today we're going to look back on what happened on on Sunday uh, with the Chiefs and the 49ers. And we're going to start with the Chiefs and the Chiefs win their fourth AFC Championship game in uh in five years. And uh, the big question is, uh, we'll we'll start with is. Why did the Chiefs win this game? And for me, it was because of how good Mahomes and Kelsey were in the first half. Number two is because of how good their de- how, how how good that defense played. And number three, we'll go going back to Mahomes. Mahomes coming through when it matters. Mahomes making that big throw to Marcus Valdez Scantling when it mattered. And the Chiefs onto their fourth fourth Super Bowl in five years. Pretty amazing for a team. I picked them to go, and I stuck with them. But for a team that on Christmas Day, it looked like they could could have been eliminated in the first round. Yeah, I kind of, I pretty much had this all, uh, you know, all the keys that you had as well. You know, like the Chiefs won because of their defense. You know, they held the Ravens ten points, and all. We'll get to the Ravens. They kind of, you know, opportunities there. They shot themselves in the foot multiple times, but their defense really stepped up and played well. And yeah, their offense got rolling. They had seventeen points pretty quickly in that game, and they didn't really do much after that. But but that's all they needed. And yeah, Kelsey. You know, Mahomes, you know, whenever, you know, Mahomes need a first down there and that, or just when they need a play, you know, Mahomes every time went to Kelsey, he made the play, you know, he had 11 catches there. So, um, yeah, those for me kind of were like the, the things there for Kansas City. They kind of just, you know, their defense all year has kind of been their, you know, what's really helped them out, you know, a lot of this year while their offense is struggling. It came through yet again on Sunday. It, it absolutely did. It absolutely did. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, their defense. And their defense, yeah, again, their defense has played really, really well. It's been probably the stronger unit for this team all year. I mean, if you look at this defense, too, I mean, in the playoffs, held the Dolphins. I know it was, like, really, really cold. The game was, like, the weather conditions were terrible. But, you know, held the Dolphins to seven points. The Bills, I mean, when they needed to make those – those when they needed to play well in the fourth quarter against the Bills, they did. And then again, then then they were outstanding. They were outstanding against the Ravens, and the, the the biggest reason why they won the game because in the second half, the Ravens' defense shut down the Chiefs. They started to blitz more. 
they, they, they started to blitz. They started to play more man coverage, and then they and they shut down the Chiefs. They 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 had the Chiefs pretty much shut down until that last drive. But yeah, the the the, the defense the, it was Legarius Sneed, you know, forcing that fumble near the goal line, the interception of Lamar. Their defense, Steve Spagnuolo, has done a really, really good job with this defense. You could argue this is a top five unit in the league. Yeah, absolutely. The way they played this year, um, you know, after kind of the last couple, where I know like each year they've kind of got a little bit better, but like you know, they would have to win a lot of high-scoring games. Their offense would have to outscore teams, which they could do. And this year, it's kind of been a totally different story. Um, you know, with their when their defense has definitely carried them, where their offense just hasn't been as explosive this year. They've they've you know a lot of drop passes this year, and they've really changed their formula. Like you know, and um, their yeah, their defense has really stepped up. It's been one of the best um, you know this year in the in the league. And you know, I don't think a lot of people going in was going to kind of think that the Chiefs' defense would carry them. Um, you know, in some of the games this year, like it like it has. It should, yeah, yeah, it really has. It really has done a really, really good job this season. But now going to the flip side, going to the Ravens and why they lost this game. And I start with those two penalties, those two huge penalties. Van Noy's unsportsmanlike conduct at the end of the second half, leading to that field goal, at the end of the first half, leading to that field goal for the Chiefs. And then that awful, awful taunting penalty by Zay Flowers. And that drive resulted in the, in the fumble. Uh, at the end of that drive, and then he he punched he punched one of the he, he hurt his hand on the sideline too. So it was not a good day for Zay Flowers. And I think and and then and then uh, number two, they really couldn't run the football. They couldn't run the football. They forced the Chiefs did a great job forcing Lamar to be one dimensional. And uh, yeah, they they, they really uh, they had eighty one rushing yards. But if you take away Lamar Jackson's rushing yards, they had twenty seven yards total outside of Lamar Jackson's rushing yards. So. The, the Chiefs did a really good job uh, stopping the run. The Ravens really couldn't get the run game going. And lastly, Lamar wasn't good. Lamar was not good. This was not one of Lamar's best games. He didn't. He, Lamar did not play well. And and uh, we'll get to his legacy later. But I think that's one of definitely one of the reasons why the Ravens are not going to the Super Bowl because their defense was it. They kept him in the game. They kept him in the game in the second half. They gave Lamar opportunities. He just didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, for me, um, my first one was the three turnovers. Just. You know, you talk about the Flowers one, you know, Lamar with the interception. Like, they were driving a couple of those, and they've had they had their opportunities to kind of take control of that game and, and take a lead or tie it, and they just weren't able to do it. And they kind of just, you know, um, just just the mistakes. And then you mentioned the dumb penalties as well. Um, you know, you're not going to beat a Chiefs team like that when you're undisciplined and getting them in bad spots. And, you know, the Chiefs kind of took advantage of it. Um, my other one in that, you know, my – my other one is um, they just got a, the Ravens got away from what they do best, and I know you said the Chiefs really stopped it. Like Gus Edwards had one carry in the first quarter in the first half, and he had 15 yards. Like the Ravens just didn't even seem like they tried to run the ball, you know? Like they didn't do any design runs for Lamar Jackson. Like they just kind of like, you know, they, like in the Bills just ran for 180 yards last week against them. You know, like I was expecting Baltimore to have success in the running game and they got away from it. It's like they panicked when they got behind them. Just, you know, and I thought Tom Mulkey did a great job this year at this offense. But Sunday, that was one of the worst game plans I've ever seen. You know, so I think the Ravens just, they got away from what they did best. And I think he really messed up in that. In that, And that was my other big one. It's just, they just got away from the running game. You know, they threw the ball 36 times and they only ran it 17. And, you know, they, there's just, I thought, you know, um, I just did not like their game plan going in. I thought it was horrendous. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, 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 and yeah, I mean, yeah, when the Ravens and really since Lamar's been there, when they've had success, they've been able to run the football. And they, yeah, they pretty much just stopped running the ball. It was weird. It was like they, it's like Munkin did, didn't do what he did all year long. Like, did you think the Chiefs were expecting it? You got to be who you are. You have to be who you are. And, and uh, they just, they just weren't in that game. No, no. And that's, it's weird. It was weird because, yeah. Um, you know, because, yeah, we've seen Lamar. Like, Lamar, Lamar's so good when he kind of, you know, he's great with his arm. But, like, when you have some design runs for him and, you know, you can do some option stuff with him, like, it's just so hard to stop. And, you know, and then you get away from it. And, and when the ball, when Baltimore kind of stay ahead of the chain, be able to run the football, they're just tough to stop because you don't know if they're going to, you know, throw a pass and, or throw, you know, pass or run the football. And, you know, they were just so one-dimensional. And they just got away from it. It just they didn't really even, you know, 
the Chiefs didn't really even seem not to worry about the run game because they weren't even going to, they really weren't attempting it. So, yeah, I, I thought, you know, it was just an embarrassing game playing by Baltimore. The league's, you know, Baltimore led the league in rushing this year. And just to get after, you know, and that's what got you there. And to get completely away from it, I, I thought was, uh, you know, I, I just, I didn't really understand it. Yeah, I didn't either. I did not either. I didn't either. So, so, so yeah, I mean, yeah, just, just, yeah, not, yeah. So, uh, yeah, abandoning, not abandoning the run game was not a good idea by the Ravens uh, on Sunday. But the big, the big question here is though, is Lamar, I know the rate the play calling wasn't good. I know the game plan wasn't good, but Lamar wasn't good. He only put up 10 points. The big question is, is how does a loss like this, it, will this loss hurt Lamar's legacy? And I think it does. I think it does. Because if he went and won that game, he clearly have the, would have the number two spot behind Patrick Mahomes. I don't even care if they lost the Super Bowl to the 49ers. He would clearly have that number two spot behind Patrick Mahomes. Now, it's very debatable. Josh Allen, yes, he doesn't have the MVPs, but he's more durable. And Joe Burrow, yes, he's not as, he's not, he's not, dur- he's, he's, he's had, he's had trouble staying on the field, but he's gotten to a Super Bowl. So you could argue, you could argue Lamar's the fourth best quarterback in the league. Yeah, you could say he's second best, but you could argue he's the fourth best quarterback in the league. And if you won that game, he would be he would be clearly the second best quarterback in football. And the thing with Lamar Jackson, too, without a Super Bowl, how is he going to be compared to the great quarterbacks in this league? Yeah, he could win MVPs, but is he going to be I know he's he's a different player than Dan Marino and Warren Moon, but could he be the Dan Marino of or Warren Moon of this era? Seems like it's trending that way. Um, because that was that was their best opportunity. You had the one seed. You had the Chiefs at hole. Your defense played really well after kind of settled in there, especially in the second half. They played really, really well. Um, and yeah, you know, for me, he did not play well. And I don't think he was put in a great position to play well because, as we mentioned, the game plan. So, like, I do put some bl- blame on Lamar, but I have a lot more blame on Todd Munkin in this one. So that's just me. But, yeah, he's got to play a little bit better even though I just – because they didn't really design any runs for him. They, I really take away that they did not put him in the best position to win that football game either. So, yeah, there's some blame on him, but I put more on Todd Munkin and that offensive staff. Yeah, you put more on Todd Munkin, but, you know, he he put up 10 points all day. He threw a bad interception in the fourth quarter. And, uh, he, yeah, but, but yeah, and, and his defense – and I know they didn't play that well in the first half. In the second half, they they, they, they pretty much shut the Chiefs down. He, he had he had a great – this was – he had a great opportunity this year to get to a Super Bowl. Well, probably <laughs> the best opportunity he might have in his career with uh with the roster he had and with the team he had around him, you know. And this and let's not, let's, not, let's not forget this is an organization that's won. This isn't an organization that's uh, this is an organization that's won two Super Bowls. Now, in fairness, Eric DeCosta is no Ozzie Newsome. I mean, Eric DeCosta is a good GM. Ozzie Newsome's a Hall of Famer. Ozzie Newsome is, is probably going to go to the. I don't I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame now, but I, he he should be in the Hall of Fame as a general manager. He he did a phenomenal job at the Ravens, and they won two Super Bowls with Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco. And and I I think Lamar is is better than those two guys. I think Lamar is definitely better than Trent Dilfer. He's clearly better than Trent Dilfer. And he's and he I think he's better than Joe Flacco, even though Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. But but uh yeah, this definitely this definitely takes a hit. It definitely takes a hit. It was a, I think a major blown opportunity for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that yeah, absolutely was. You know, yeah, meant it's it was his best opportunity. Yeah, you know, a lot. You know, the boroughs of the world are going to be healthy next year. You know, we'll we'll see. You know, Cleveland and Deshaun and you know, I know about we're going to get to Harbaugh and kind of their future in in uh, Los Angeles. So. You know, they're not going to be tough out or they're going to be pretty tough out now, too, on the next couple of years with with, uh, you know, Herbert and them. So, yeah, this was his best opportunity. Yeah, it's definitely a blown one. Yeah, he did not play well in this one, Um, you know, and that hurts. But, yeah, this is definitely a blown opportunity for him. They really kind of cement, you know, kind of cement his, his legacy of kind of being up there and kind of getting that number two spot as the best quarterback in the league. And, yeah, it, you know, definitely. uh they definitely fell short of it. You know, they, they, you know, offensively, they were just out of sync and did not look good all day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So the chiefs move on Ravens go home, but we will get to the NFC championship game and the 49ers for the second time in five years are heading to the super bowl. They beat the lions, uh, 34, 31. But the big question in this game is, is who is most, who is most to blame for the Lions second half collapse. And I know it wasn't all him, but I think it's pretty obvious. It was Dan Campbell. It was Dan Campbell. You're up 24-10 with about seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Fourth and two. 
I get being aggressive. I like being aggressive. I think coaches should be aggressive in this era of football. In that spot, you have got to kick the field goal. Just like he should have kicked the extra point against the Cowboys, it, you have got to kick the field goal in that spot. You absolutely have to kick the field goal. And them not – yeah, I know the play worked and Reynolds dropped the ball, but if you kick the field goal, you're up 27-10. You've got a three-score lead with under seven minutes to play. Your chances of winning that game are really, really good. And then you miss it. You, then they missed it. And then the, uh, the momentum swung in that game completely as you had that big play to Brandon Ayuk. That we pretty got a little bit lucky. But, hey, that's happens when you throw the ball down the field. You're going to get lucky at times. And then that game turned completely. And then, and then Dan Campbell again, 27-24, had another field goal attempt, fourth and three. You have got to kick that field goal again. Two horrific, horrific in-game decisions by Dan Campbell could have very easily cost his team a chance to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Dan Campbell, you know, I'm with you. Like, yeah, I'm fine with the aggressiveness, but you got to kind of know when to turn it back a little bit. And, yeah, like they just kind of, you know, he was way too aggressive. And, you know, um, I wasn't totally surprised just with his manner of how he's done things, like, you know, him going for it. And, yeah, it kind of hurt. And I know they had to drop passes. They had the passes bounce off guys' face, you know, uh, Reynolds' face mask. Like, they, they they had some bounces that went against them. Um, but, yeah, to kind of they were in absolute control of that first half. They did whatever they wanted. And to kind of let that thing slip away um, – it's pretty tough. And I understand his comments at the game. Like, you know, we may never get another opportunity like this. Like I, I understand that, but um, you gotta be aggressive, but yeah, he just, he, he crossed the line. Of, you know, he went a little bit too far in that and it definitely cost him because every time they kind of, you know, I know in the analytic community, they say momentum doesn't matter. And this is a clear indication that momentum absolutely should matter and it should be taken into account because uh every time they you know the Niners got to stop uh the momentum shifted every single time and it just kind of got out of control for him so um it was tough I understand you know that's Dan Campbell's mantra and he was and he was gonna die on the hill but and he did yeah and I yeah and I get I get the analytics and stuff but in that situation you can't be listening to the analytics if you kick that field goal you're up by 17 points you're in really, really good position to win that game, and and also his comments after the game, I did not like them at all. Oh, we never, we, who knows if we're going to get there again? Look at the team you have. You got one of the, you have two of the best rookie, two of the best offensive rookies. You, if it wasn't for C.J. Stroud, Sam Laporta is probably going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. You have two, you have two great rookies on the offensive side of the ball with Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs. You got a really good receiver in Amaron St. Brown. You got you got a, one of the best tackles in football in Penny Sewell. You got Aiden Hutchinson. Brad, they got a top GM right now. Brad Holmes has done an outstanding job turning this team around. This the future for the Lions is bright. These are not the same old Lions. The future for the Lions is bright. I, 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 if I'm a player on the Lions, I'm not happy with Dan Campbell saying, "Oh, I don't know if we're we're going to get there again." No, you know you're going to get there again. As a head coach, you should have confidence that you're going to get there again with the team that you have. I did not like those comments at all from Dan Campbell. I like Dan Campbell. I think he's changed the culture there. But it was not a good day for him on Sunday. And he, 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 and he is definitely a reason why this team is not, go, is, is not going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he is because uh, they totally you know, blew that game up 24-7 going into the half. And not being able to uh, finish that thing was disappointing. Um, I know for a lot of Lions fans out there, and you know, the – first time in forever to get back there or get get to the actual Super Bowl. Um, you know, it's it's definitely disappointing. But and I know we're about to get to it with Ben Johnson here in a little bit, but I wonder at that moment too, he's thinking, do I lose both my coordinators? And could this end up being like Philly this year where everything kind of just falls apart if you lose both your coordinators. So that's what I'm thinking too. Maybe he thought, I don't know, but yeah, they have a good talented young roster, but um, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can, can kind of ride the ship and fix it. And that division is going to get a lot harder. Like I know we saw the Packers and Jordan love this year. Okay. If the bears hit on both their top 10 picks, they're going to be better. And then, you know, who knows what the Vikings do at quarterback, but 
they do there's some talent there on that roster. So that division is gonna get harder next year as well. Oh, it is. I know I know the division's gonna get harder with 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 the Packers. The Pam and the Packers are gonna be battling out for that division for a while. I just going back to Dan Campbell's comments. I mean, how could you say, oh, you you we, we don't know if we're gonna be back here again? Look at the team you have. And and, and I just think a, I think comments like that show if I'm a player show to does this guy really have confidence? He's, he's, he's doubting us. He's doubting us. We were we were a half away from going to the Super Bowl, and probably some of his poor and, and probably some of his poor game poor in game decisions caused us from getting there. I like Dan Campbell. He's done a great job, but I just didn't like his comments at all. I, I just didn't. But now moving on to speaking of Ben Johnson, moving on to Ben Johnson. Uh, the, the question here for the Lions is: is how big is it for the Lions to have Ben Johnson back? I think it's big. He's definitely the best coach in the staff. I think he's one of the best offensive coordinators in the, in the league. And this is why I expect the Lions to be right back in it next season uh, with, with Ben Johnson being back and having this all. They're going to have Jared Goff back. They're going to have Penny Sewell. They're going to have Sam Laporta. They're going to have Jameer Gibbs. They're going to have Amaran St. Brown. I think this offense in year three could could be – I think it's definitely going to be one of the top five offenses in the league just like it was this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's huge for him to have him back. And kind of as I mentioned a minute ago – I know because Aaron Glenn, their defense coordinator, has been in some conversations getting a head coaching job. So I kind of thought, you maybe you lose both of these. We've kind of seen Dan Campbell's aggressiveness. Like, does this all take a step back? And the progression that Ben Johnson's had on Jared Goff in his career, like, do they take a step like the Eagles did this year and kind of fall apart maybe a little bit? And uh, so I, I think this is huge that you're going to get him back and um, I think, you know, the, the job that he's done at Detroit, you mentioned that young roster that they have, they're talented. So I think it is a huge thing for Detroit. And again, you know, I think he's 37, somewhere around there. So, you know, I know this is like second year now where he's gotten some interviews, like he can wait for the perfect opportunity. And if Washington wasn't that spot, it seems like it wasn't that spot, then he could wait it out for the opportunity. I think it's, it's right. And that's going to pan out for him. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, and it's 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 hard to go to Washington and have success. That, that 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 that's just a really really hard job to have success with. And yeah, that might just might be the smart call for him to to stay with the Lions. And and yeah, and and the Lions should have uh this. And I know what I know, we all know what Campbell said. We talked about it, but yeah, I think I think the Lions are gonna have a big year next year. They're gonna be back, and 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 they should be excited to have Ben Johnson back. But now moving on to the winning team, and that's the 49ers. And I think. Let's, let's be honest, the biggest reason why they won this game is the guy that everybody has criticized all year long. And that's Brock, and including me, and it was Brock Purdy. Down 24-7, he drives him down the field uh, and, and, and gets him a field goal. Then, yes, you could say he got lucky, but he 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 he, he did he did hit that huge, huge third down to Brandon Ayuk to cut the to cut the lead to seven. They get the fumble from Gibbs, but he drove not he 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 took advantage of that short field and and, and they got a touchdown. Then uh, he drives him down. They get a field goal. And then the biggest play of the game, I think, for Brock Purdy is that, it was that third down when he picked up that first down. That was a humongous play using his legs. I really like the way Purdy is using his legs. And the big question is right now is should Purdy be the Niners QB of the future? And it's such an easy question. Absolutely. Right now, I know he didn't play great in the Green Bay game, but in that second half of the Lions game, he looked like a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, Purdy. Um, yeah, you know, we mentioned the way he used his legs there in the second half. Um, you know, some of the throws that he made were were clutch and yeah, to kind of come back down 24-7 were was huge. And um actually uh and for Purdy, you know, he's kind of been a winner. You know, he's 21 and five now as a starter. Like I, you know, it depends how much money he wants, but you know, because he's just such a on such a team-friendly deal that they kind of can put the roster they have together. Cause I think he's only getting paid like $900,000, something like that. Cause you know, he was the last pick, but you know, the money's right and all that. They kind of keep that team together. Yeah. You know, like I'd be totally fine. Cause you know, look, you know, pretty, he'll make the right throws. He'll take his chances. The arm strength, the arm strength isn't great. You know, some of that, you know, coming out, you know, he never really has had that. Some of that too is the Tommy John surgery. He's kind of coming off still uh, as well, but um, yeah, you know, I, I Really impressed the way Purdy kind of commanded that thing in the second half and was able to help that team come back and, and win. And um, actually going to that division now, um, the corner Scheffner, the the Seahawks are hiring Mike McDonald as the uh, as their head coach. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to. I saw that. We'll get to that after okay. after, after after Purdy. But yeah, 
Purdy's, I mean, you, you can't, I don't think you can really criticize him right now because it's just, I know he's got good guys around him, but what defines a quarterback is what you do late in the game. And he did it against the Packers, drove them down the field for the game winning touchdown. And what you do when you're down two scores in the second half, and Purdy was down three scores, three scores, 24 7. I know he got that one turnover there, but he led them on five straight scoring drives, five straight scoring drives. That's outstanding. That's outstanding. And 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 uh, I think going into this Super Bowl, the Niners have a better quarterback than they had four years ago. I think they I think they got a better quarterback. Their defense is still really good, but it might not be as good. But they got a better quarterback than they had four years ago going into that game. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Jimmy G was a guy that didn't really seem to take chances much, and Brock Purdy will do that. You know, he'll take those shots down the field um, when they're there. You know, he's a guy. Yeah. So I, I think that they're. They're in a good spot with Brock Purdy going in that game. You know, again, it'll be a tough test against Mahomes and, and the Chiefs. But, yeah, you know, I think, you know, they got to feel pretty good going in with the weapons they have. Um, you know, George Kittle getting another shot now and the rest of that team to, to, to get a Super Bowl now. So, yeah, you know, I, I think the Niners definitely have to feel good about Brock Purdy kind of going in that game. And they're definitely in a better spot than they were Jimmy G a couple years ago. Uh, yep, yep. They, they definitely are. They definitely are. They definitely are. Sure should be a great Super Bowl between the Chiefs and Niners. We'll definitely be talking. We'll definitely be talking a ton about it next week, and uh, it should, should be a great game between those two teams. But staying in the NFC West, we got breaking news as the Seahawks hired Mike McDonald as their head coach. No, I mean yes, the Seahawks hired Mike McDonald as their head coach. He's been with the Ravens for almost a decade. He's done a really good job there. He's been defensive assistant, defensive backs coach, linebackers coach. He was the defensive coordinator with Jim Harbaugh one year that he came back to be the defensive coordinator for John Harbaugh. So he's been with the Harbaugh's for, for years. So I, I like this hire. We'll see what happens. Seahawks going the defensive route again, uh, kind of similar to Pete Carroll going the defensive route. So we'll see what happens in Seattle with Mike McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, not a bad hire, you know, kind of was wondering if variable, maybe we get that or you know, I didn't think Bill would, but um, you know, McDonald's done a really good job um, with the Ravens, you know, Michigan a couple years ago with that defense. So yeah, you know, they're going defense. They got some young pieces there in that defense side of the ball, especially with this moon at cornerback. But uh, you know, I know they're really trying to fix that defense and, you know, hopefully maybe you can in a competitive division right now with, with uh, the Niners, the Rams with, uh, you know, McVay down there and we'll kind of see with Arizona and, and, kind of rebuild right now so um yeah you know i do like you know i like to hire there for seattle you got it you got it this was this was this was a really really good hot real a really good hire for them and before we get to harbaugh here's 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 it looks like uh bill and vrabel are gonna are probably not gonna become head coaches so to me the big question here is is what is the bigger surprise that belichick did not get a head coach it's not gonna get a head coaching job or vrabel's not gonna get a head coaching job and I think it's Vrabel. I think it's definitely Vrabel because uh, I think Vrabel did a pretty good job in Tennessee. I think he was limited by his quarterback, and he wasn't the gen- and he wasn't the general manager, so he wasn't going to ask for a ton of control like Bill Belichick was. I think that was a big reason he didn't get the Atlanta job is because he wanted a ton of control. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Mike Vrabel, uh, younger coach. I'm more surprised about him. I thought he was definitely going to get a job. Belichick, I'm surprised, but not as surprised. He's not. He's probably not going to be coaching. But I am definitely surprised that Mike Vrabel's not going to be coaching. Yeah, I uh, yeah with Rabel, it definitely because yeah he's a younger guy. The way you know with Tannehill, Penry getting that team the AFC Championship game a couple years ago, um, yeah for him not to find a job is crazy. You know I I know Washington's still out there. Maybe I haven't really seen the new list. You know with, with Washington to see if you know because Bill's coach is down there. You know when he was at you know so Bill knows or you know his. Dad coach at Navy, like I know he knows that area a bit, so maybe he'd go down there, but or Rabel. But yeah, it really seems like n- neither of them will. Um, you know, and it, with Rabel, I'm just I'm surprised that nobody has gone out there and hired him. Like I, I, I know he was in there with the Panther job, I think, but you know, he probably thought he was gonna get another offer besides Carolina because who you know, that's a tough task right now, but I'm surprised nobody else really uh has gone out there and with Bill. Yeah, I am a little bit surprised because I kind of thought yeah, he was going to get that Atlanta job there. And, uh, you know, obviously he didn't. They went different direction. Um, but now it really seems like maybe, you know, will anybody hire Bill next year at 74? Like, it, you know, it, this really could be it for him, I guess, you know, as a coach. Yeah, definitely could. Definitely could. 
But yeah, to, to me, Vrabel's more surprising, but still, it is definitely surprising to see both, seeing that the fact that both of them are more than likely not going to be coaching uh, next year. So, uh, so, so this, so we were talking last week about Jim Harbaugh, how him and the char- them and the Chargers were close. Now, it, it, on Wednesday, after right after our show last week, they agreed to a deal with Jim Harbaugh. They hired Jim Harbaugh as their head coach. And the big question uh, for the Chargers is, will the Chargers be a playoff team with, with Harbaugh as their head coach next year? And I think they will. I think they will. I think with Justin Herbert, I know there's some, you know, they might be getting rid of a Khalil Mack to save some cap space. You never know what's going to happen with Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is coming off an injury. But I, I think with Justin Herbert, this will be a playoff team next year with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I'm with you. Absolutely. You know, I know they're, you know, you mentioned Khalil Mack. I know they got some aging pieces on that roster, but I still think there's some talent there. You know, I think the, you know, with Justin Herbert coming in and Harbaugh, just everywhere he's gone, he's just been a winner. Um, I know it's a pretty competitive AFC. There's a lot of good quarterbacks, you know, you assume a lot of them are going to stay healthy next year. And, but yeah, I, I think Harbaugh is going to be in there again. And this team was competitive under Brandon Staley and he got him to a playoff at the, you know, nine and eight, like, if Staley could do it, Jim Harbaugh can can walk in here and do it himself. So, yeah, I do think the Chargers find a way to uh, make make the playoffs next year. The bigger question is, will they be Super Bowl contenders with him next year? And I think they will. I think they will. I think they're with Harbaugh, they're automatically better than the Raiders and Broncos. They won't be better. I don't think they'll be better than the Chiefs, but I think they'll be super. They'll be they'll be in that mix because of how talented Justin Herbert is. Justin Herbert could become a top five quarterback with Jim Harbaugh. He's not had a coach close to as good as Jim Harbaugh. In, in, in his career. I mean, Anthony Lynn and Brandon Staley were garbage head coaches. So I think with Harbaugh, I think this team, it depends on what they keep and what they don't keep on defense. Their defense will be better next year than it was this year. Their defense completely underachieved this year, but I think they are. I, I'm, 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 I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm saying they are Super Bowl contenders with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you too. You know, with the coaches, yeah, go even go back to Oregon when he when he had Mario Cristobal. I think he held him back as well. Like I don't think this guy's had a good head coach and probably since high school, you know. So it's been a while since this guy. And so I, I think you know, head coaches have held him back the last couple of years. And I, I think a guy with Jim Harbaugh is going to get the most out of him. And look, you know, in this event or in this AFC, like we've seen the Bills and Ravens not be able to get it done in the in the moments. You know, I know the Bengals done it. I don't really. But with that offensive line of the Jets, I don't really believe in them right now. Like they Chargers really are better than the Jets. Better oh, than yeah. Year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, even with Rodgers still, like, I, I think the Chargers could be right in that mix. And, you know, we'll see. I know there's some maybe, you know, Andy Reid could, if they win the Super Bowl, maybe he does walk away. And, you know, who knows who they hire. Like, maybe that's where Vrabel or Bill Belichick will, will, would end up and Chiefs won't miss a beat. But, yeah, I do think the Chargers are going to be right there for uh Super Bowl. I think the Chargers, yeah, could definitely be a Super Bowl contender next season. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I agree completely. It's a really, really good hire for the Chargers. It's nice to have Harbaugh back in the league. It is really, really nice to have Harbaugh back in the NFL. He he, he finished his business. He 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 uh, did what he had to do at Michigan, won a national title. Now he goes for a Super Bowl championship, which he was really close to doing eleven years ago. Yeah, he was. Yeah, we'll we'll you know we'll see. You know, guy like Herbert. Um, he's got they they he's got talent. And yeah, you know he's just wherever he's gone, he's been able to win. And you know, I know it took him a couple years at Michigan to really get that thing going. And I was somebody that kind of gave up and said, "All right, it's probably time for Michigan to move on." But uh, you know, he uh he found a way. And yeah, you know, he's he's won. And yeah, he's he's got a great shot to win win a uh, Super Bowl now. Oh yeah, uh, he, he he definitely does. He he absolutely ha- yeah he absolutely does. So we'll wrap up talking about the coaching carousel with uh, a c- couple other head coaches, and and that and uh, with D- Dave Canales gets hired by the Panthers, and Raheem Raheem Morris, the Falcons pass on Belichick, uh, uh, back then hire Raheem Morris, and uh, I don't mind I don't mind the Dave Canales hire, I I, I, I don't mind it, but uh it, but the uh, uh the Raheem Morris hire, I mean I, I don't mind that one either. So I think they're decent hires. I mean they hire Canales because they want an offensive mind with uh with uh, they want an offensive mind coach with with uh, they want an offensive mind head coach with uh, Bryce Young, and then uh, with the other hire with Raheem Moore. I think they felt like they wanted more of a defensive guy and a guy who's been there and had success there. Yeah, Canales. Yeah, that one. Um, you know, yeah, he's done a pretty good job with Geno a couple years ago in Seattle, and then last year with Baker Mayfield, Tampa Bay. So going young, trying to see if they can kind of fix 
Bryce Young after he had a brutal year. So, yeah, I don't mind going off the divine. They gave him a six-year deal, so I hope they're patient and temp- Kemper doesn't, you know, shut the door in two years or something. Hopefully they because that 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 uh, franchise needs a lot of time to get something going. And with Morris, I'm a little surprised they did pass on Bill or Vrabel. You did hire this guy as an intern, and you didn't give him the job that time around. But now you kind of go back and rehire him. You know, you go back hire him this time. I just if Bill Bill and Vrabel were both out there, and Vrabel didn't want power, so I'm kind of surprised. But look, I you know I know Morris didn't get done the first time in Tampa. Bay. I, do believe in second chances, but thought over Bank Arthur Blank really wanted that Super Bowl, and you know, think he had a better shot with Bill and Mike Vrabel to get there. So I don't really love it, but the other candidates are out there. But we'll see. If... Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it should, it should be interesting to see uh, what these guys end up doing. I mean, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what ends up happening there. But uh, UConn has a big week in the Big East this week, and we got three top ten matchups. In college basketball on Saturday. But before we talk about that, we are going to hear from our friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock Home Inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEG's Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All righty. So, uh, so a uh, big week for UConn basketball in the Big East as uh, tonight they take on Providence at Gamble Pavilion. Are you going to the game? I will not be there tonight. No, you won't, you won't be there tonight. Not. But no, but yeah, it's a. It's, I mean, Providence actually, even with the, even though they lost Bryce Hopkins, they've been playing better. UConn right now is the best team in the country. They proved that on Saturday. They destroyed Xavier on Saturday. Almost got 100 points on Saturday. This team, as we've known, pretty much doesn't have any weaknesses. They're pretty much strong everywhere. They're clue. They're right now. They are the best team in the country. And but in this game, I do think Providence hangs in there for a little bit. I mean, it's going to come down to. I mean, they need Carter to have a good game. They need Odora, their big guy, to have a good game. They need to take a gains to play well. They need all those guys to play well if they want a chance of winning, especially a gamble pavilion against against UConn. And I think this game, I think UConn wins it. I think they, I think it's close maybe in the first half, but I think UConn ends up winning this one. I'm going to say by like 18. I got to win like 80, like kind of like an 83 to 65. I got to win by like 58. I got to win by close to 20 points in this game. I just, I think it's just going to be hard for Providence. I know they've been playing better. I know they're right now they're in the tournament, but I think it's gonna be hard for Providence to go into to, to go into Gamble and get a win. Yeah, you know, to you know, I was looking kind of going back this year. You can kind of show that times at Gamble from shooting wise, like the Crane game, they didn't shoot well beyond the arc. New Hampshire, they were four for twenty eight that game. They usually shoot pretty well at Gamble. Usually, Texel is a problem, but it kind of feels the opposite this year. Um, but yeah, I do think you like that. Watching Providence live Saturday in that building, the only guy you have, like the only guy I'm really worried about 
is Devin Carter. That guy's one of the best two-way players in the country. That guy's a pro. UConn was in his final three in the transfer list. Would love to have that guy on our team. I can't stand facing him, but um, you know, he's a unbelievable two, you know, two-way player. Um, I just put Castle on him and just let you know have Castle guard him the entire game. Um, Carter's probably guarding Cam Spencer and Tristan Newton going back and back and forth, I I believe. But Josh Dodor is a really good finisher on the rim, but against Klingon. I don't I see him struggling with that. You know, like since Clayton's come back the last three games, UConn's only given up 56 points a game. Defensively, they've been really good now with Clinging back. And Xavier was passing a wide open threes to go try to go take uh Clean one on one to the basket or just trying to finish over him. And obviously that did not work for him. So I feel pretty good about tonight. You do got St. John's looming. I know in Providence coming off that big kind of you know, win against Georgetown where it took a, every, you know, it took a Devin Carter couple plays there at the end to kind of take care of business there. But um, I do think UConn wins this game by about 15. I think Providence does kind of figure out, you know, keep keep it interesting there for a while. But I'm with you. I think UConn and Purdue right now are a tier above everybody else in the country right now. It looks like it. It looks like it. It looks like it. Now, you talked about the atmosphere of Providence on Saturday. What was it like being there? Because you were there. What was it like being there for, for Ed, Ed Cooley's return? How how crazy was it? Was it as crazy as people expected it to be? Yeah, you know, I'll give Promise fans credit and students. They didn't take it above, you know, they didn't go over the line. Like, they didn't throw anything at them. But I guess they had double the amount of cameras in the amp. Uh, you know, double the number of, of security that they usually have. Like, you know, it was pretty, uh, would have been tough. But they were there, 8 in the morning, uh, about a... You know, a lot of things flying around after they finished drinking. Like it, you know, it was pretty wild outside beforehand. I got there kind of early just because I didn't know what it was gonna be like. Um, you know, so it, it was a really good atmosphere. There was a lot of nervousness there late when it kind of when Georgetown tied that thing up, and a lot of nervousness. But I, I hate to say it, I don't know if I ever heard a building louder than I heard that place Saturday when Devin Cardner. Carter finished that uh dunk there with 30 seconds left to put him up by eight. Like I, I, I don't think I've ever heard a building get as loud and I hate admitting that, but you know, it was pretty loud. They weren't very creative with a chance. It was kind of the same old stuff. And it was, there was the, a couple it was, creative times. It was the F Ed Cooley. Yeah. There was that about there's every five minutes that where's your mistress. Oh, you know, oh, you know. That yeah. That was really about it. You know, I'm trying to remember other ones, but yeah, like there's a couple of good signs. Someone blew up the uh, paperwork of his house being kind of on the market on March 2nd or whatever it was. So <laughs> there were some interesting signs, you know, trader, but, um, you know, it was a pretty good atmosphere, you know, thought it was not cross the line. It didn't. So I will get problems fans that, but uh, it was a good atmosphere. It was good to experience that uh, place because, you know, got a couple looks, but, you know, um, because I was sitting next to my sister, she said something about UConn, and or she said that it's the best student section in the country. I'm like, well, I'd rather win a national championship, and you know, <laughs> I got some looks, so yeah, you know, oh, but uh, oh, oh, oh. I got out there okay, being a UConn fan, so that's all that matters. But yeah, it was it was a good time. It was uh, you know, good experience to to, to get that. You know, um, you know, it was good. Kind of a little bit inside one Georgetown to win, but uh, you know, the passionate fan base. Oh, very, very. Was that your first time at the dunk? I'm still going to call yes, it the dunk. Yeah. I know it's not called yeah. the dunk anymore, but yeah, I, I've, I've Fanta said in the documentary in Divine, in that documentary that came out last week, the at its peak, it's the best atmosphere in college basketball. Yeah, I could see it. You know, um, they're they're into it. You know, I'll admit for they they love their basketball, even though for a program that's only made out the first week and once in the last what thirty years, it's you know. The, you know they, they they're very passionate about that about that and uh you know and again that's that coolly kind of really risen that place up and i get all the hatred that he gets and but you know because of the way he left them and you know he always talked that he was one of their own and they feel backstabbed and i get it and i didn't have the heart to say anything that kim english will leave you and five years but you know <laughs> yeah, they'll, exactly yeah. they'll learn that and yeah they may not be as mad but uh yeah you know it, it's I'm like, they've lost what, like four times there the last four or five years, something yeah. like that. Like, yeah, they're, you know, they do a great job defending that court. So give them props for that. And, uh, 
you know, I do like Kim English. We'll see the tough league now, but uh, they're hanging in there without Bryce Hopkins. They're probably an IT team, but how low this league is, you know, I think you take that without a guy that could win Big East player of the year. Yeah, or could have exactly, exactly. And did you hear uh, Cooley's comments after the game? Providence should get me a game check. Oh, he's such a narcissist. He is. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a problem with him. Oh yeah. He, oh yeah. Oh, everything's man. about him. Exactly. Everything's about exactly. him. You know? Exactly. So. Yeah. You know that's that's Eddie Cooley for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to UConn's matchup against St. John's. And Rick Patino's got this team playing. I think they're the fourth best team in the Big East, but they're clearly the fourth best team in the Big East because I think Marquette, Creighton, and UConn are clearly better. And there's going to be a lot of UConn fans down at the big day, big day at the Garden on Saturday. You got UConn, St. John's, you got the Knicks and Lakers at night. So big day at the Garden on Saturday, but it starts with UConn and St. John's. And I think this is a this is going to be a really competitive game. I think I think it's within like five, three. Uh, like five points either way. I think, but I got UConn winning this too. I think UConn is clearly the best team in the country, and I don't got an issue with having them go into the Garden and winning the game. I think St. John's has definitely improved with with Jenkins. They're, I own, I own a transfer and uh, and uh, Joel Soriano, obviously, one of their best is, is their best player, and they played them tough at the XL Center. But in that game, UConn didn't have Donovan Klingon. I think that's going to be the difference in this one, uh, and that's why I got UConn winning. At, like I'd say, like maybe eighty to seventy-five. I got UConn winning this one. Yeah, yeah, UConn winning. I think they're going to be a short favorite, like a point or two. I think, you know, um, St. John's, Jules Soriano is really, really good inside. It's, you know, he's physical. It's going to be a good matchup for Jonathan Klingon. But for St. John's, they're a team that they rank 302nd in the country in like three-point attempts. Like, they want to get to the basket. They want to, you know. And again, as I mentioned, like, with Klingon in there, it's tough to do that. Like, you saw in the Xavier game, you saw, you know, like, he just kind of, you know, even if he doesn't block a shot, he kind of, you know, um, he's just, you know, he's able to kind of prevent yeah, it. He just, he can uh, change a lot of shots. And, and I, I think St. John's, they want to get the basket to be tough against them. And so far they don't take a ton of threes, but they aren't shooting three, 30%, um, in conference game this year, but for St. John's defensively, you know, Patino's going to run that press at like uh two, one, two press. He's going to play some zone. He's going to try to take you out of rhythm offensively. But look, they're finally they're UConn's finally healthy. Like, you know, now Clint, you know, Klingens fully looks back, you know, fully healthy. Castle too is banged up uh earlier in the year as well. Like this, so they're playing fully healthy, and you're kind of seeing it that this team is uh you know has a different gear to it. And it's been a much better January than it was last year. So I do think UConn finds a way to get out of there with in it with a win and you know, their next three road games, like there are three row games. This is a well, this is a neutral site. And then you got the Paul Georgetown back to back. Like they don't go on technically a tough road game again to Marquette till uh, or till Creighton till like the end of February. Yeah, like, they got they do have Creighton, Marquette, and then Providence at the end of the year. So they're they got three tough yeah. road games there. That's where I think they might lose a couple. That's where I think they mm-hmm. might lose maybe a game or two in that stretch. But this is this definitely this definitely the St. John's is gonna be a tough game, especially with the game they played at XL Center. But I just still think with the way this team has played this year, I think I just think they pulled out. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think they're the better team than St. John's. Um, I, I think you know St. John's definitely getting better offensively, but I do think UConn's got a little bit more talent at the Garden. It's going to be neutral site, like you, you know, there's UConn fans are going to be, especially the way Patino's been talking. You know that, you know, with the, yeah. you know, UConn fans are really going to, you know, f- fill up that place like they usually do. So, yeah, like if you can get out of this week with a win tonight and a win Saturday, your next three before Marquette at home. Is Butler at home, Georgetown and DePaul back to back on the road. Like you, you know, you could be sitting there very pretty going what 23 and two. So they'd be in great shape. So, you know, it's be be a huge one to sweep uh sweep the sweep the Johnnies. Yeah, it'd be nice to be 23 and two going to that big Marquette game at the XL yes. Center on the 16th. That'd be really, yes. really nice to be going to that huge game at the XL Center on the uh 16th. But we're going to move on to the greatest rivalry in college basketball. It renews on Saturday between Duke and North Carolina. And the big question is, before we talk about maybe the game, let's talk about which team do you have more confidence in making a long run in the tournament? And I I, I, I don't have actually – honestly, I don't have a ton of confidence with either team making a, a really deep run. But if I had to pick, it would be Duke. I just don't trust Herbert Euler Davis. And I know R.J. R, RJ Davis has played outstanding. I know he's played – He's played outstanding for them, but I don't trust Hubert Davis. I don't trust Hubert Davis, and I think the ACC, I think 
they're a little overrated because the ACC oh, is one, one of the worst conferences in college basketball. I trust Duke, even though I don't trust John Shire that much either to make a run in the tournament. But I, I they, they got older guys like Roach and Filipowski. So I trust Duke to make a, a uh, longer run in the tournament. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm with you. I was sort of buying in North Carolina, and then they last night just uh, bat. You know, I know it's on the road, but you're playing a mid-major, yeah, mid-major conference. So even though Georgia Tech, Damian Sotomayor, heck of a coach, he's going to do a great job at Georgia really? Tech in a year oh, wow. or two. Really? Oh, he was at Pacific. He gave Gonzaga some battles. He's a terrific, terrific head coach. I, you know, don't know if he can do what Paul Hewitt did and get him a Final Four, but he's going to put Georgia Tech back on the map. So just, just wait. I. I Love that hire from from the Yellow Jackets, but uh, going back to these two, I I'm on North Carolina. I don't love them, but Duke, one word, soft again. Really? This wow. There, Filipowski does not like playing the post. He's not a five. He's a four. They got no rim protection. Um, they don't play like Sean Stewart's a guy that they like, but he doesn't play it. Like he's a rim protector, but he doesn't play a lot. There's like they play Tennessee again. The Tennessee will just do the same thing. They'll just bully them. They'll lie down and they'll lose by ten. That's why I would love to see UConn play them in a Sweet Sixteen because I think UConn wouldn't run them out of the gym, but I'd feel pretty good because UConn's gonna be physical and Duke backs down. But hey, that's what happens when you have a selfie room. So I can't take it seriously. So I can't stand. I desire. Tyre's not great. Davis ain't either. But look, the thing with North Carolina is the guys they brought in, the Harrison Ingrams, the Cormac Ryan, those guys. They've improved. Oh, the yeah. Especially oh, Ingram. Yeah. I think Ingram shooting threes has improved the team. Cormac Ryan is not great, but he's he's improved it. And I think R.J. Davis is one of the best players in the country. I think he's played like oh, one yeah. of the best players in the country this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, R.J. Davis, I could see him putting them on their back and winning six straight. Like, I, I could see him going like Kemba, like, run. I, I could totally see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there. He's one of the best guards in the country. But I think with some of those transfers, too, they were losers at other programs. They came into a North Carolina who just – was embarrassed last year, and I think they're like, okay, let's get that mode of kind of let's get that you know that loser mentality gone, and you know, so I, I think you know whoever's done a pretty good job this year, but Baycott last night needs to step up, and he didn't. So yeah, he's a, to me he's a little overrated, Baycott. Yeah, you know, I, I think he is really. I, I don't know what it is with him this year. Like I think he's just kind of more letting other guys do it this year. Yeah, you know, they went played to him a lot the last couple of years and he kind of made up for a lot of the mess, but yeah, I, you know, this year, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, yeah, I know he's one of the favorites this year for player of the year, but, um, yeah, this year's kind of been a little bit, you know, overrated going in. So little, you know, little surprising, but, uh, yeah, you know, I could see this Carolina make a run, but seriously, I'm not trying to be biased. You're kind of like the only team I trust to win six year games at tournament. Like I don't trust many teams right now. I, I and I, I'm trying to find some, and I New Mexico right now is up there on the list, and I love yeah. their guards, but I don't think they could win away from six straight. But we'll see. It's going to be wide open, so I wouldn't be shocked. But I'm not high on Duke. I'm a little bit higher than UNC. And for the game, I'm, I'm probably going to go with UNC here, just because RJ Davis. Duke doesn't have an RJ Davis, and UNC's at home. I'm going to go with UNC close, but I'm going to go UNC here. Yeah, I like the Tar Heels. They they've done you know North Carolina's playing some defense this year, which I like. I think you know Baycott's going to play physical with them, and I I mentioned I don't think uh, I think Duke is going to uh, fight that. I, I think they'll lie down like they usually do in a game where a team plays physical against them because that's what they like to do. And uh, I thought Duke defensively played better the other night, but like I still don't love the scene defensively. I still don't understand what they. It's a lot of ISO ball, and I just I don't like it. Um, you know, I, I got North Carolina at home winning this in, winning this game, so I'm gonna take the Tar Heels. I got RJ Davis playing out playing. Pro, I know Proctor's been playing better, but part of me is like, how you know? But we'll see because these two teams uh haven't really played. You know, Duke you know played Clemson the other day. That's your third bit out of that conference, but they, these two teams really haven't t- tested of late because of the competition they've been playing. We got Houston. At Kansas, at, uh, at, uh, we got Houston heading to Lawrence this week, and I think this is a this is going to be a close game bet- between these two teams. But I think in the end, I think the the size of Kansas takes over. I think Dickinson is the difference here. That's why I got KU winning over Houston. And Houston lost a couple road games early on in conference play. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cougars in this Ooh, one. I, you're not a Kansas guy for some reason this year. No, I they can't shoot. They cannot shoot. 
I yeah, mean, McCullough, got, McCullough could shoot. McCullough can. He can. Yeah. He was hurt last night with a knee injury. I don't know if he's playing. I would think he's going to play Saturday. It sounded like they were just holding him out, but we'll see. I, you know, Houston's defense is just, they're, they're so good at wanting, um, you know, the way they just kind of, Calvin doesn't call it a trap of what they do kind of when teams try to throw ball screens at them, but um, they kind of just, it, it's like a trap and, you know, it forces pressure. Dewan Harris is a really good point guard. But in this one, Houston wants you to, you know, um, you know, I just, I think Kansas just can't shoot the three ball very well. And Dickinson does worry me because he's 7'2", and Francis, the Houston big, you know, they're five, he's 6'8". He's athletic 6'8", and he blocks shots, but he's only 6'8". So, but again, I think Houston is going to trap Dickinson when he gets a ball in the paint. They're not going to worry about leaving somebody open. And I don't think Kansas is going to hit enough shots. Johnny Furphy, the freshman from Australia, is really starting to come to his own. You know, he's a freshman, still learning the American game, but he's starting to play really, really well. He's not a great defender, but I think Houston is a better team than Kansas. I don't think, I think, depending on who they play in the second round, right now it's a good chance. I'm probably picking Kansas' opponent. I don't, I really don't see this Kansas team getting out of the first, first weekend. I, I really don't. I, this team can't shoot. And, uh, I this team does not scare me. This team ain't won six straight in March. I so g- give me the Cougars. Oh wow! So uh, we we got we'll wrap up talking about an SEC match between Tennessee and Kentucky, and I think Kentucky wins this because I don't think uh, I like Connect. Connect's a great shooter, but I think that I don't think that uh, the Tennessee gets enough points outside of Connect. And Connect's one of those great shooters, but he doesn't really make guys around him that much better. So I'll, I'll go with I'll go with the home team with Kentucky here. I think John Calipari's done a pretty good job this year putting this team together. Yeah, Cal Perry got lucky that uh, the Trey Mitchell landed in his lap because Bob Huggins, uh, you know, yeah. can't stay out of trouble. And exactly. then Tony yeah, Reeves, yeah. and Tony Reeves is playing like all American, wanted to transfer, but something with his credits didn't line up, and he couldn't transfer. I forget the full story, so he had to stay around. Um, but in this one, Tennessee's Temple this year's. Is a hundredth, and usually last year was like two eighty eight. And I say that is because if you can get Kentucky to play in the half court, like South Carolina did last week, Kentucky struggles in the half court. And you know when they get out of transition, they're really tough to side because they have shooters, Reed Shepard, but um, the freshman coming off the bench, he didn't play a lot against South Carolina because South Carolina's wants to play physical. Tennessee didn't play physical, so I don't know how that's going to go. Um, but Kentucky too, they're getting up 80 points a game of conference play. They're not great on that end of the floor. So I don't buy into them in March and with Tennessee yeah, Dalton connect. You mentioned them. I, we talked about futures kind of in November, Dalton connect. And I started to, you know, I've been buying a Tennessee last night, seven minutes without a few goal. I just, uh, Rick Barnes again, just, you know, don't, they went, I will don't connect your Jimmer for that. He is, but he can't do it on his own. And yeah, you mentioned he's not great at getting others around him better. Jordan Ganey, a guy that good score coming up from uh, South Carolina Upstate last year, he hasn't, he struggled offensively and he's not a great defender. So Barnes isn't playing him a ton. But in this one, I'm going to take the balls because I do think Rick Barnes is going to play in the half court and I can't, tr- I don't trust the Kentucky team in the half court. And I, I'll take the balls to go in, into uh, Rupp Arena and get the, and get the uh, dub. All righty, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, here on Sports Talk with R&J for Justin Anafrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week doing our Super Bowl preview and talking about the NBA trade deadline. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the race, and the race do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts. 
including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting Clovercrestmedia.com. 